Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Around 70% of the U.S. economy is driven by consumer spending. In other comparable economies, it's different. Uh, Canada, France, Germany, Japan, all peg consumer spending at around 50%. What that means is the enormous might of the world's most powerful military and global dominant financial system is powered by you and me buying stuff. That in turn relies on manufacturers making stuff we want to buy. And want is the operative word here. If we lived in a utilitarian society and only bought what we actually need, the wheels would fall off the U.S. economy. My lunch guests today are both great examples of how we keep the wheels turning. If you wear pants, you could get away with owning two pairs, but if you're an average American, you own many more than that. Reportedly, the average American owns nine pairs of pants. Most of these pants have belt loops at their waist, and you can only wear one belt at a time, so you could conceivably hold all of your pants up with the same belt. But as you know, we, we don't. Because the success of the country is depending on buying stuff, you have a bunch of belts. If you go down River Road and stop at Torino Leather Company or visit it online, you can choose from 40,000 belts made from regular cowhide or more exotic materials like lizard, ostrich, tiger shark, and, and python. Tom Garner started working at what was then the Torino Belt Company in 1999. In 2006, Tom and three co-workers bought the business. In the intervening years, they built Torino Leather into a company with 30 employees, and today they sell their belts across the country in stores as wide-ranging as Dillard's and Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, Tom Garner, welcome out to lunch. Hey, thank you for having me. There's nothing more basically utilitarian than drinking. Human beings have to drink to survive. We could drink only water, but what kind of consumer-driven economy would we have if we did that? Over the span of human history, we've come up with all kinds of different liquids to consume. Among the most popular is alcohol. Living in New Orleans, you might have a slightly skewed perspective on this, but across the country, a younger generation is turning away from alcohol. A whole new industry has grown up to cater to these folks, making what are called mocktails. Mocktails are drinks you drink when you don't want to drink. They taste like a cocktail, but they have extremely low or absolutely zero alcohol. New Orleans is not only the home of the cocktail, now we're the home of a growing brand of mocktails called Mockley. Mockley is the brainchild and growing business of a husband and wife team, Tarek and Aimee Sedki. Aimee Sedki, welcome out to lunch. Thank you so much for having me. Tom, beside the functionality of holding up a pair of pants, a belt is a fashion accessory. Sometimes as simple as a strip of leather with a buckle might seem like it's timeless, but it's not. Fashion is constantly changing and belts go in and out of fashion too. So where does a belt design come from? At Torino Leather, 
Do you have in-house designers, or are you a manufacturer who makes belts from other people's designs? No, pretty much the way we do it is that you know we have in-house. We have a collaboration of the people that are in manufacturing, people that are in sales, people that deal with our customers over the telephone, and and we know between the, the four or five of us, we come up with uh, prototypes that we then try to determine you know what is the right buckle for it what is the right stitch color for it you know the right button the, the right hole to, to button it on uh, or to, to or, 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 or those types of things and then you know we finalize our prototypes and uh, then we put it into work so we have leathers uh, almost as many uh, leathers and raw material pieces as we have finished belts in our store I mean in our factory so that pretty well is how the collaboration becomes. Hey May, your husband Tariq is in advertising and you have a background in men's fashion. You spent 10 years designing ties for clients like Tommy Hilfiger and Express. You and Tariq looked at the numbers and saw mocktails as a growing market. You came up with some tastes and flavors and you figured out how to make, package, and distribute these drinks. Now. None of that is anywhere near as easy as it sounds. You started this company and run it without either you or your husband having any experience in the beverage business. Uh, look back on the birth and rise of Mockley. Is there one thing you learned that you wish you'd known before launching this business? Oh gosh. Well, one thing you've pointed out correctly is that we have no idea what we're doing and we are completely learning as we go. So that is very accurate. But. Yes, I think that um, the production, and I'm sure as manufacturer yourself as well, um, you know, we are not doing our own production. We do not make the drink ourselves. Um, you, it requires a lot of equipment that's millions and millions of dollars, a lot of space that would be hundreds of thousands of dollars in overhead. So we are completely dependent on other people to make Mockley. We've created the formula, we designed the package, we did everything, but we can physically not make it ourselves. So that by far has been the biggest challenge. T Tom, just walk me through how this, how this works. Does somebody bring in the hides or the skins and you take it from there? Yes, well, our suppliers, pr predominantly when we started our company, the, the, the vast majority of our raw material, the leathers, uh, come from Italy. And um, thus the, the name of our company, Torino. So, you know, we have an agent in Italy who actually goes around and takes a look. And we do now with Zoom, we can have meetings with our Italian vendors. We can look at leathers. We can send them pho photography of what we like, what we're looking for, what we've seen that might be interesting. And, and then, then we get samples. And we have a, a myriad of different people to, to, to go to to try to you know, get raw materials from. So, you know, we do the same with our buckles and, and, and then we sample these things and we decided we make some prototypes, we see whether it literally looks like we think it's gonna look, and then we go with it and we place our orders at that point in time. So that's how that works. And Amy, talk to me about this trend, which is real. Uh, people are having like a dry January or- Sober October. Sober October. <laughs> Lint. Yeah, Lent. Lent. There oh, we yeah. go. That's a big deal. That's this a town. big New Orleans one. That's the one time New Orleans fully embraces us wholeheartedly <laughs> is Lent. Here, Lent makes a lot of sense. Yes. This is really good. <laughs> What's driving this? 
Um, I think a few things are driving it. I think number one is I think people are just way more health conscious and not just in the term of physical appearance anymore, but it's a lot of mental clarity. And at the end of the day, even you know the most dedicated alcoholic drinkers, they definitely, you have a little bit of fog the next day. You know, you can't help it. It's like you either, you don't sleep as well, you know, you just, you're not quite as sharp and things like that. So I think that people these days just kind of realize that they don't actually have to go down that road. That, you know, if they want to still go out and enjoy something, an event, music venue, anything like that, you know, that they can actually choose to not have the booze and there's more options now so that they can be fresh for their meeting first thing tomorrow or they can get a good night's sleep. And so I think that that's really one of the biggest drives. Clarity. I think that would be good in a person. Yes. Be a positively. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, uh, I think of your kind of business as a B2B business. We talked about how you uh, sell your bel uh, belts to uh, Dillard's and Saks and such. But it's more than that now, right? It is. It's grown dramatically. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's not just that. That's the vast majority of our business has been business to business. So, you know, we sell to stores like Perlis, Rubenstein's, those kind of stores around town. But we also have a business because we have almost 200 styles in our line. None of our retail accounts buy more than 12 or 14 of those styles. So if we don't go out direct to the consumer, to some degree from a marketing standpoint, we're the best kept secret on earth. No one knows about our products until they maybe come by or one of our reps happens to show up or those kind of things. So that's really opened up uh, our products to a lot more people who would not see them because we don't have we don't have retail accounts everywhere in the United States. The internet has made a major difference in the growth of our of our business overall. Tom, do y'all do any private label where, or is, do you only do it under your brand? No, 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 we do private label. We, we make Saks Fifth Avenue's private yep. brand. So we make their belts that are under their private label. And um, we make things for some exotic things like King Ranch, for instance. Yep. They have all sorts of different things, you know, South Texas and, and different people like that. So, you know, we do do private brand. Um, we also stock everything that we make in our factory, that thus the 40,000 belts that are sitting on the rack waiting to be ordered by somebody. So there's a cost to that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very important cost, but our regular retail stores, they have to fill orders quickly. The, the, the idea of replenishment is critical to them. They want to carry a small quantity, and then on Monday of every week, call us up, order to fill into those, those slots of what they've sold. That requires us to be able to have to have inventory. Well, so we also have to have a, a, a way out of that inventory too. Right. So opening it up to consumers has also helped our retail stores business where they go in and ask for our products because they've seen it on the internet. You know, social media has been a big help to us being able to get out there and get the word out. So that's, you know, that's that, yes, the answer is yes. We've had a, a, a lot of growth in that area. I just kind of picture this, M.A., you got this, um, you got these flavors and you think you've got a great thing. What is the first place you you go out to market it? What, what, what did you do first? Well, first thing I called my best friend, Maria Zissis, who was the GM over at Shia. And I was like, Maria, oh. I got it ready for you to try. Can you please taste it? She tasted it, loved it, put it on her menu immediately. And I really, really give her the credit for giving us the leg up to get started. Because once we said we were on the menu at Shia, 
a lot more people took oh, my yeah. phone calls. Yeah, that's great. So um, that, and then also uh, Jeff Goldring, kind of, I, we reached out to him. He's a friend of a friend um, for his advice. Um, with he's with Sazerac. Sure, um, he knows a lot about yes, beverages. Yes, and um, so we wanted him to taste it as well, just get his opinion. And he um, had invited one of the distributors to join him, Crescent Crown, um, Nick Hazard. So before we even had it as real production, Nick tasted it and said, I loved it, we'll take it, pick it up too. So I feel like we had two really beautiful people that helped us out um, get started. And then from there, you know, I hope we've done them proud. <laughs> and from there, that is the next question is, do you go retail do you go groceries what so do you do? we've done a little bit of everything so we our website is set up on shopify so it's direct to consumer um and so anybody across the country can buy and people all over buying towns that i've never ever heard of are <laughs> buying mockley so that's been really really fun to watch um and then we also did amazon and it took us about a year or so to get to amazon prime but once we did that i mean that is like a well-oiled machine as long as you feed the beast, the beast pays you, basically. It's just something that's a constant, constant fulfillment, um, which has been great. Uh, and again, just giving a lot of people brand awareness to us. Um, and then uh, we also were able to have another distributor partner in uh, Georgia, United. Um, again, one of our investors was friends with the owner of that company, and he turns out they were all looking for NA. They're a big liquor heavy distributor and they saw everything that's happening with Gen Z with, you know, this kind of, I drink sometimes, but not always. And so they knew that they kind of had to make a pivot. And so um, we're one of their first ready to drink non-alcoholic beverages. NA is non-alcoholic. Yes, NA, sorry. Yes, thank jargon you. there. This yes. is, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Amay Sedke from the Zero Alcohol Mocktail Company, Mockley, and Tom Garner from the belt manufacturing company, Torino Leather. Tom, you know, the thing I would, uh, I don't know if I'd be worried about it or whatever, is that people don't get dressed up much anymore. They don't go to the office. They uh, Is that been a negative or? No, actually it's been a positive for us. Um, you know, when the onslaught of COVID, you know, everyone's fashion, habits change dramatically and people were staying at home and you know wearing sweatpants and what have you until noon and then putting on casual clothes so a lot of guys who had been going to the office every day you know six days four days five days whatever it was um, and attempting to dress casual on Friday maybe um, had to had to buy all new wardrobes of casual clothing and uh, and and that required all sorts of accessories that we know long, that, 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 that they didn't have. So that opened up built, for instance, br uh, braided stretch belts. Uh, you know, we have a myriad of colors. All, you know, the, br the braids are made in Italy and they stretch and, 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 they're, and they're very, very comfortable. So those have just taken off over the last really three or four years, but particularly since COVID. And so, you know, it, it, we have to be an adapt, we have to be adaptive to changes in, in attitudes and changes in how people uh, live their lives because we're an expression of that. So yeah, and I mean, I people have probably told you this, but isn't New Orleans the least likely oh, place? Oh, that's our big joke. We I, we literally that's part of our selling pitch. If you can make it as a mocktail in New Orleans, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> that is what we say. But um, yes, it's it is. 
It definitely has been a mixed bag. I mean, working some of the samplings in the grocery stores at Rouse's and stuff, people literally, a lot of people had no idea what a mocktail was. And I was like, it was just such a learning curve for me. And one guy was like, wait, what is this again? And I was like, you know, it's just, it's like a cocktail, but it doesn't actually have any alcohol in it. He goes, oh, like a virgin daiquiri. I was like, exactly. <laughs> We're like a virgin daiquiri. Um, but it's, it's been actually really surprising to see that some of these down and dirty bars like DBA on Frenchman Street, Barrel Proof, they love us because it really takes all the thought out of it for the bartender. It's just easy when somebody comes in, you know, and doesn't want alcohol, they have something ready to go. So in general, I feel like the service industry of New Orleans has really embraced us in a way that um, I'm just so grateful for. Well, that's right. I mean, this is definitely the least uh, complicated way they can answer that question. Exactly. Right? The, Tom, you make only products, and we talked about um, oh, bracelets and wallets and, uh, and belts and such, but you make them only for men. Mm. Why is that? It well, looks like there's this great other market. Yeah, no, no, we're not discriminating at all. In fact, many women wear our products. One of my business partners is female. So, you know, it's just a matter of the heritage of our company. That's the way we started, and that's how we we're tooled. Um, you know, ladies' accessories are a totally different business than men's accessories. You, you, you need to be cognizant of, of handbags. You need to be co cognizant of, of shoes. You need to be cognizant of everything when you're dealing with uh, uh, ladies' uh, uh, types of uh, fashion. So, you know, in men, it's a little bit different situation. Quite frankly, it's a little simpler. It's complicated enough for us in dealing with the hides you know, even though we don't tan the hides, we do have to buy hides that are all, you know, and there's risk in that. And then each belt takes about 46 steps to make. So, you know, in doing that, uh, and ladies, you know, and one of the other things with regard to menswear is the shelf life is longer than it is on a lady's accessory. Now, shelf life, you mean just fashion-wise, right? In the store, yes. I mean, for instance, like, you know, the shelf life of a lady's accessory is very short. You know, if you don't have matching other items, it doesn't work with their outfits in most cases. Men are very uh, replacement-oriented. You know, they buy a black belt, and when it wears out, they rebuy another black belt. And it's just that it's simpler. It's a simpler business for us. So it allows us to stock inventory and to feed the beast, like she was talking about. I mean, our customers being the beast and allows them to be able to have inventory. We can consistently carry it. We can buy a leather, larger quantities of leather, you know, and keep it and stock it and have it. And then we just keep making belts. And so like someone carries a black belt, one style from us, we sell it to 40 stores. They carry 10 belts piece in each stores. That's 400, 400 belts and they fill in every Monday. So that's how we, that's how we, well, that's why the difference is in the ladies in the menswear business, but you know, it's a lot simpler for us primarily. So. Now Tom can come out of that single area and distribute product elsewhere. What are you gonna do, Amy? You mentioned you've got Louisiana and now you're gonna try out Georgia. Um, how do you scale in this business? So scale in a couple ways um, one way is through distribution partnerships and that's what we've done traditionally so crescent crown is our louisiana distributor united is our georgia distributor um, and so you can keep going that way state by state everyone's going to have like 
the biggest, baddest, best distributor that you could work with. So that's one way. The other way is to kind of go more towards the retailers themselves. So like a Whole Foods market, they're somebody that would give you a try in a state, and then if you do well, then they add a region, then if you do well, then they take you nationally. Or, you know, like a Walgreens, for example. Walgreens will give you a try in the state of Louisiana. If you do well, they'll add another one, and then they'll take you nationally. So it's two different kind of ways to skin that cat, basically. And uh, then I've noticed you didn't do contiguous, which is kind of what most people do. You didn't immediately go to Texas or Mississippi. Not as yeah. I think that um, people say to do it closer to you is best. So like anybody, like if Whole Foods or Walgreens is going to give us a test run, we definitely want them to do that in Louisiana, where we can be present and we have sales reps and we have sampling support and like merchandise support for you. You know, that's the way that we definitely see it being successful is being in our backyard to start. What does the sales part look like, Tom? You're you're here on River Road. Uh, um, is it like an army of salespeople that go out? And do you physic? Would they physically go out or just get on uh, get on the horn and call people? No, they they physically go out. I mean, we have multi-line reps that are um, they carry non-competing other lines with them, and they travel the highways, travel the roads, and go and visit retail accounts. And a lot of customers like that because they're allowed. They, we we lay out the product in their store. There are other salespeople that get their opinion as to what they might need, what they might like, all of those different things. So that's one of the things we do. But then another thing that helps us is our outlet store that's on River Road. You know, we had that, to open. That's for regular people, That's right? for everybody, you know, the public. Open to the public where we basically offer them fabulous prices there. I mean, very low prices compared to to, to what it is at, at, at retail. Now it's it's in, in it's product that has uh, is maybe a season out. It's not in our regular lines. Not Again, what we offer don't them. Know. They don't care, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of nice belts there. You know, and we have almost four thousand belts there, and uh, and and that helps us because, you know, it's not a profit center for us, but it's it's a it's a the, it's a good advertising center for us for locals. Say, so, hey, go see it. it Matt, your jazz fest, it never fails. We have people coming that have bought from us in, in uh, South Dakota or somewhere else, and they come and visit us out here. You know, it's always you go out to the jazz fest, and then one morning you don't really want to do anything, you know, special. They get in a cab, and they come out or get Uber, and they come out and visit us. And, oh, man, I bought something from you a couple of years ago, and I wanted to come and see if I was going to be here. So... <laughs> now you're a division of jazz fest. This is even, <laughs> this is even better. And May, um, when you look at, like, you mentioned Walgreens, uh, is that enough quantity to make it worth, uh, like, an individual, well, that's a good example, Walgreens, is that decision made at the individual store level, or? No, it's made all corporately. So, basically, you have to first get in touch with the regional buyer, um, and then the regional buyer then has to take it to their, like, basically team that then has to say, okay, yes, we will give this a try in, you know, one state. And so it's kind of a process. And who are your salespeople? Are they the wholesalers themselves? So for us, we've got uh, two people. We have one in the state of Louisiana that's a sales rep, uh, Cindy Morris, and she, you know, helps us handle all of Louisiana. And then in Georgia, we have Kevin Bell. Um, everybody else for us right now is kind of more of a contractor 1099 situation, but the place where we have distribution and we need the most support, you know, we have full-time people, boots on the ground there um, to support all the stores. And where it's made, you must have to keep a 
fair amount of inventory in this yeah, city. Yeah, we do keep inventory. We have a great relationship with the warehouse on Airline Drive, so that's been really, really helpful. But on the other side of inventory, there isn't the usual shelf life with this, right? I mean, it's all natural. We have a one year, one year shelf life. So, you know, and it doesn't have to be refrigerated. So it's not bad. Um, we definitely sell out of product, usually within a few months. When we talk about the U.S. economy, there's general agreement that we need to encourage and grow as much manufacturing as we can rather than see it shipped offshore to other countries. However, when we talk about the local New Orleans economy, we tend to focus on hospitality, tourism, conventions, and music. It's pretty rare to hear any conversation about growing the local New Orleans manufacturing sector, but there certainly is one and its contribution to the general U.S. economy is worth acknowledging. M.A. and Tom, you're both great examples of local manufacturers. You have two very different products, and you're at very different stages of development and growth, but you're both New Orleans companies with a nationwide impact. Congratulations on everything you've achieved to date. I look forward to keeping up with you and following your continued success. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Tom Garner, owner and managing director of Torino Leather Company, and Aimee Sedke, co-founder of Mockley. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Aimee's mocktails and Tom's belts by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Today's show director is Jill LaFleur. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Taproom, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Taproom has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Jones Walker and by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.